So um, start off with something that's uh, yeah, hopefully uh, kind of funnish. So I got this. Uh, I got a uh, practical strength. I uh, grew up small town, Saskatchewan. Um, kind of have this uh, thread of mechanics that runs through my my background. N not on my dad's side. Well, if you look far enough, maybe you could find it. But on my mom's side. So if you you know kind of Google them. No, no, you can do that. But there's this, this uh, practical strength of building, tearing things apart, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, uh, you know, growing up, kind of hanging out with my brothers who were, uh, my, the next brother to me was 10 years older than me, and then the next brother was 17 from there. So they were young men already, and they were building, fixing. And before snowmobiles were invented, my uh, brothers made a snowmobile. Used, uh, you know, motor off the auger and got some uh, 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 binder pickup and, uh, and uh, they started it up and it took off across the road. They forgot to jump on it, went across the field until it hit a deep snowbank, got stuck. That was before snowmobiles were invented. So I got a bit of that in me too. So I, I don't mind fixing a little bit, kind of figuring some stuff out. You know, it helps on the, on the wall a little bit too. Um, but I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a train mechanic. I'm a wannabe mechanic, so that looks a little different. You don't always know, you know, kind of how to do stuff, and oh, man, isn't it good to have Google and YouTube these days? Oh, man, you can fix all kinds of stuff. You used to have to have to pull out the Haynes book. Those of you that are mechanics, right, go buy the Haynes book, and you read that paragraph again, 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 like, what did he mean, what did he mean? Now you can, if you don't like that, that YouTube station, you go to another one, it's great. So anyhow, I do a bit of that stuff. So on your vehicle, they have this thing called a strut, which is part of your uh, chassis. And uh, if you kind of think of there's a spring and a shock. And um, the reason why you have a shock, this, the spring kind of, you know, uh, helps the vehicle so that it's not quite so bumpy. It's not like you're driving just on the tire, right? Gives you some ability for this to be cushioned, right? If you just had the spring, then you'd be going like this in the car all the time, right? So they put a shock in there. What it does is it slows it down, right? A shock goes both ways, right, and holds it a little bit. So in the back, usually, you know, you can have struts in the back, but like a truck has a big leaf spring that you see sometimes, and you see that thing push down, and then they have a, sh a shock beside it. In the front, you have a coil spring. And this coil spring, uh, they've made it so that the shock is in between it, and they've made it one unit, and the, uh, the shock holds the top onto the spring, Right? And that's one unit, and you put it in the car. But every now and then, when, you know, cars, uh, something breaks, maybe it's a little older vehicle, then the spring might break, the coil spring, or the shock breaks loose on the top, and now this thing's a little more live. Okay? And you have to take that spring out, and you, you get a special wrench. I don't know what the name of it is. It takes and it squishes the shock, because now think about your vehicle... You're probably doing two, 3,000, maybe 4,000 pounds, depending on the size of your vehicle, on that corner. That's a lot of weight, okay? And so you squish this thing. I don't know what the name of that wrench is. I just know its nickname. It's called the Widowmaker. <laughs> so when you're kind of like a backyard mechanic, wannabe mechanic, you're not always quite sure, hmm, what will happen. Because when you lift the car up and that thing's broken and it starts moving around and you got this funny wrench... You have to take precautions. So look at this. I 
All right, so I thought I could make a really good fit for the sermon today. You know, there's got to be some way to make that thing work. Helmet of salvation, or but I'm not speaking on that today. So um, I'm having a lot of difficulty making it, it, it fit for the sermon. So maybe let's just use it as like a humorous uh, transition or something, right? Because if you go to psych side and you look at birth order, you know, the youngest kid is usually uh, has a clown element to them and they don't mind being on the stage. They might even be an introvert, but every now and then give them an audience and they don't mind doing something in front of people. So let's just go with that because I am the youngest and I don't mind a little tension every now and then. So I hope you enjoy that. I picked this passage a few weeks ago. Okay, we're going to jump into it here pretty quick. Okay, it's kind of this dispute between Paul and Apollos. Uh, you know, kind of, they kind of compare each other, right? And I picked it because I was going to do this thing about the diversity of gifts and, uh, you know, who is part of who we are and what are the strengths and let's rah, rah, let's make it happen. It's going to be really good. Yeah, but in light of some things that have happened in the last two weeks, hmm, I, I, this has a different message today because of that scripture for us. I, I wouldn't have picked this passage of scripture if I'd known where we would be today. So what we're going to do is we're going to rest in the truth that the Lord is leading and directing. Okay, so if you're wondering, why would Cal pick that passage? It's because I picked a long time ago. And so we're just going to sit in that, and we're going to allow the Lord to use that. Because you, you think about even where we're at, who spoke last week, who will speak this week, who will speak next week, right? And, and the Lord in His sovereignty is carrying us, okay? So if you have questions about that, that's part of the, the truth of it. Okay, so let's start this way before I jump into the reality of this passage of Scripture, just to settle us a little bit, okay? God's in a good mood. And he knows you, and his plan for you hasn't ended because of the reality in your life and in mine and in the reality of SunWest. So, so let's just rest in that for a minute, okay? So if you would, if you're not too uncomfortable with it, yeah, take your hand, just turn up for a minute. I just want to ask the Lord to speak to us because today the Lord has something for you, right? He, he already has probably spoken to you through the the worship and such, right? Directed you. And so I'm going to unpack some stuff, and stuff, some stuff's going to ring true for you, and stuff, some stuff's going to be good information. And then the Lord has something for you. He'd, he'd like to, there's something you've come with today that He's like to remind you of and give to you. So, so let me just pray for us for a minute. Father, we just add to, add to Matt's prayer. Yeah, thank you that you love us and you're for us. So we just sit. We give you permission to speak to us, and we're open to what you have for us. Amen. So, we're going into the book of Corinthians. Corinth, it was a city who, which was on a plateau. It had harbors to each side of it. Um, had quite a history over the years. When we got to 146 B.C., before Christ, uh, they wiped it out because there was some, uh, you know, revolting going on there and such. We get 100 years later to Julius Caesar, who, who made tomato juice, and who uh, said, we're going to start that city again. Okay, so, so this is, right, 46 years before, no, that's not quite the right math. It's B.C. 46, before Christ comes, right? 
He starts it again. Again, similar situation. We got harbors, right? Uh, so it's hard to, uh, 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 it's easy to defend because it's on this plateau, right? It can look down. And, and until there was uh, gunpowder and such, it, it was a fortress of a city, okay? Because of the reality of the harbors, you had all kinds of people coming, all kinds of influences, um, right? Different cultural realities, right? Which, which is fine. But with that, it brought all kinds of different things. Uh, there was a slang that said, to live as a Corinthian meant that you lived in luxury and immorality. Okay? There was a thousand temple prostitutes at the temple. Right? Like, like kind of get your head around that a little bit, right? So if you worshipped and you're 18, you would go to the temple to worship. Okay? That's far enough with where you're going with that. Okay? Uh, population, 200,000 free men, 500,000 slaves. Okay, those of you that are statisticians, do the math on that. How many slaves per, per free person? Okay, so we're running 700,000, almost a million people from what they understand. All right, the church, the church was influenced by the world. People are coming to Christ because they, they live in that city. And some of who they are and what they've done and how they've lived obviously comes. And um, when you look at the rest of the book, of Corinthians, you can see it. He's he's writing to a whole schwack of stuff about uh, immorality, uh, getting along, uh, marriage. Right? There's a whole bunch of stuff that he writes to address because of the truth of the world in which they lived in. Right? Sexual immorality. Right? The, they were influenced by that. You can see that by by way of what he addresses. You think about the world we live in too. Right? Um, we live here in Calgary. Um, we just had the stampede. Uh, I I've heard. That some couples, during the week of stampede, they make an agreement to take their wedding rings off. And what happens during that week is between them and whoever else, but not them and their spouse. Um, I hope that's not true, but I've heard that. I also heard um, when I was up at uh, Dalhousie MB, uh, those, that group of people there and some of the pastors there and uh, ministry people are working with the justice ministries, helping uh, Young women uh, get out of, um, you know, the slavery of prostitution. Um, there are more prostitutes brought to this, the week, to Calgary during the week of Stampede, I think the stat was, than in any other event in North America. M more than the Super Bowl, more than any of those events. Why? Because it's 10 days long. So it's part of the culture we live in. So that, that um, when people come to know Jesus that uh, that would be an issue that we need to walk alongside people, that would be normal, obvious. That even that sexual reality was true for all of us as far as how we live life. It's a normal, natural dynamic of who we are, that that's part of how we need to tutor it well and understand how the Lord's made us and what He has for us, and that we can grow in that, and we can debate that, and we can walk together. That's just part of... Uh, a normal reality of what it means to be a person and to walk in the fellowship of, the, of the, the brothers and sisters as we seek to live godly lives, okay? Right? The, the world's influence was in the church. I mean, for us as well, maybe, maybe I'll just do another little sidebar here just uh, for fun. So even, even um, uh, enjoying the reality of the craftsmanship of the fruit of the vine. Are you tracking this? wine or beer, right? So um, 
to go uh, bar hopping as a believer? I, 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 I'm not sure, unless you're really into decor. You really just like seeing different decor, right? But again, I, I've, I've never done that. But if it means, if it has a definition in our community, in our city rather, that bar hopping means we're going to, we are going to get loaded. <laughs> well, that, that would be a paradigm that if you as a believer were going, you would go, why? Because you love the people that you were with. They're part of the people you're trying to reach. But the other dynamic of getting blasted, that, that wouldn't be part of what you would enter into. Why? Because, because you know that the scripture teaches that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're, um, you're, you don't have a need to drink uh, all 12 of the beer you buy. You can drink one a day or two. Why? Because your, your goal isn't to get loaded. Your goal is to enjoy the craftsmanship of what God has created in your world and to enjoy uh, that with the people that you love. Okay? So, so, so sidebar note, right? You hearing that? So the, the world was infiltrating the church, and Paul's a little concerned about that. The Greeks were very proud about learning and their philosophical debates. That's part of the background that this comes to. First uh, Thessalonians, uh, as we go to chapter 1, just a note before we jump into our passage of Scripture, Paul desires to purify the church from this divisive spirit about contesting, about debating. It's okay to debate. But there was something behind it that he seeks to address as we come to our passage of Scripture. Let's go to the first part of it. Chapter 3, we're starting at verse 2. Paul says, I gave you milk, not solid food. You were not ready yet for it. Indeed, you, were, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is, for since there is ooh, you jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly, still worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Paulus, are you not mere human beings? Okay, so, so he's, he's pointing to the reality of you're living in a way that indicates that you're still walking as people who aren't mature in the faith. Because he can see it that you're quarreling and debating and being divisive. Paul was just strategic when he came. He uh, spoke to the need for them to know who Jesus was. He spoke to that need, not to other philosophical things. He's, he's concerned about them being divisive about he said, she said. Deciding who's better... You don't need to agree with all of Paul or all of Apollos. You don't need to agree in such a way so that somehow you now feel better because you agree with that person and somehow you feel that person's more better, more righter. No, 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 that's not the debate here. You don't need to know all of the right theology in order for you to know that you're okay. You, can, you and I can live in some dissonance. Otherwise, there's a tendency for us to move towards, I know I'm in the right relationship with God because I know the right theology. Now, barring, folks, I, I, the primary things, uh, uh, Jesus left heaven's glory, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again, is returning again, 
for us, the only way of salvation, right? That, that's the primary parts of the gospel, right? Those, those we can't really um, uh, uh, differ on or debate a whole lot, but just to understand them more deeply. But other parts of the scripture, right? If we don't have all of those things figured out, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, because the Spirit lives in you. Know who you are. Know your identity and your dignity. It's not then threatened by the things that you don't know. Your relationship with the Father isn't threatened by not knowing all the answers. It's okay. It's okay to, to, to have a different giftedness. It's okay to not agree on everything. You think about talents when you think about that portion of Scripture where Christ is talking about the talents and everyone's been given a talent or talents. It's really helpful when you and I know what our talent is. Because then I, I don't have to be like you, but I can admire who you are and what God's gifted you with. I can learn from you and try to be like you a little bit. But when I'm clear on who I am and what I carry, then I can just be comfortable in my own skin. And I can walk, not in arrogance, but in, in confidence in the truth of who I am. When you know your identity and your dignity, when you know your acceptance and your value, then when other things happen in our world, we're not threatened in those places and our foundation isn't, isn't shaken. First point, refocus on the meat. Settle in the truth of who you are. When you think about your world and mine, our behavior reflects who we are, reflects what we carry, reflects what we also believe. The more we know who we are in the Father, the more we can rest and we can walk. The scripture says, um, be angry and sin not. You might process differently than me. That's okay. If you're a verbal processor, it's good for you to know that. Because when there's a challenge in your life, when there's a situation in your life, you're going to speak. And it's really good for your friends to know that as well. Because sometimes some of you are speaking, they're not quite sure why you're talking so much about that particular thing, in that way. Well, it's because you need to hear yourself in order to process. And you need others who are loving around you to understand that and help you as you process. If you're a thinking processor, you're kind of quiet, kind of keep to yourself a little bit, kind of get things figured out, and you're not really engaging at times. It's not that you don't care. It's because you're bringing in all the information, trying to get it figured out. Right? So you can, you can understand, so you can make the comments, so you can make the next step. Knowing some of those differences in how we process is important in our lives and in tough situations. Second point, refocus on who makes it grow. What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are his field. You are God's building. All moving in the same direction, hoping to move in the same direction, doing what we can to build in the same direction, even though we have different gifts, different points of view. That's okay. There's this tension between Apollos and Paul. People were fighting 
over who's better, but he comes back to it's a difference of a gifts, and it's the reality that God gives the increase. We trust in him. We bring our gifts. We use our gifts. Ask him to use what, what it is we're doing and who we are. When you look at your life and you ask yourself, if you take inventory of your life a little bit, you ask, you can ask, Father, what have you used in my life to help me to come to know the truth of who you are? And there's that person and that person, there's that situation, there's that song, there's that time, that struggle, there's that person who said a kind word, there's that interruption to your day that the Lord brought somebody. God uses many things and many gifts in your life and mine. One is not necessarily more important than the other, better than the other, just different. And God uses all of those realities of giftedness, situations, dynamics, right? He wants to use them to continue to help us to know who we are and to grow, right? So, so it's not a debate over who's more better. Bill Johnson, Bill Hybels, Craig Rochelle, Tim Keller, Rick Warren, Henry Shore, etc., etc., etc. Right? It's about the truth of what do they carry, and Lord, what can you teach me through them? How can I understand their giftedness and even the paradigm from which they bring and what they speak? When Pastor uh, Matt speaks, what happens in you? You kind of want to go home and study your Bible because that's what he carries. Part of what he carries is a teaching gift. When Drew spoke a couple weeks ago, or Chris last week, what do you want to do? Shoot the puck, man. You want to go buy a fire pit and go put it out in the middle of your cul-de-sac there and see if you can get some neighbors to come. Spend some time with them because you got to reach people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The differences aren't meant to divide. The differences are a reflection of the truth of how God's made us as a body. There's the beauty in it. Let's, let's see those things and not let them cause us to divide. Thirdly, refocus on the solid or true foundation. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for it because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. It's not a question of salvation, even though only as one escaping through the fire. Paul was really careful on his first visit when he came alongside those people. Um, um, he uh, tried not to debate them. Earlier in the, in the passage, he talks a bit about that in the scripture and the first, first and second chapters. Right? He even says he was scared. He came with fear and trembling. Hard to believe for a guy like that. And he was a go-getter. Anyhow, he was concerned, right? And he didn't come with persuasive arguments. He, he came because he knew what they needed to know which was the primary thing about the love of Jesus and who Christ was. So no doubt he had some discussions. But it also says he came, he came with the power of Christ because that interrupted people's 
arguments. When you and I think about our friends, we think about how do you and I reach people for Jesus, right? So we're sensitive to that. We're sensitive to where they are, right? We, we, we come alongside them. We do life with them. Wow, we, we debate, right? At times, maybe we talk a little bit. And, and we just live out our life, right? We speak the words of Christ appropriately different, different times when there's a, uh, a situation, when we've built relationship with them, when we have um, uh, permission to by way of where we are in our relationship with them, right? We, we don't hammer them with the truth. That's what Paul did. He came along, he saw, he was okay with debating and probably did some of that. We certainly know he did that at the church of Ephesus, right? in order to reach people because of what they were worshiping. But here as well, this was part of the truth of the culture, but he wanted them to know Jesus, and so he knew that also that would need to be made clear through the power of Christ. This verse also talks a bit about what are you and I living for? Right? What do we give our lives to? Right? If we build with gold and silver, hey, that's going to show up. If we build with um, hay, wood, stubble, that's going to burn up. So in our lives as well, it's okay for us to take a minute in this portion of Scripture to say, okay, what are we giving our lives to? What's the foundation we're building on? Right? What, are we, what, what does our lives look like? When we're doing life, when we're carrying the truth of who we are to whatever area of life we're in, whether it's work, friendship, um, as, a, as, a, as a child, with our parents, if we're married, as a spouse, as a father, as a mother, we carry that truth of our dignity and our identity. We carry that. And, and what are we giving our lives to in the midst of us doing life? Because everything will show one day. And that's not meant to be a threat to you and I. Because it's not about our salvation. It's about are we cognizant of that? And are we continuing to do what we can to, to reflect, to, to work towards what? The foundation of Jesus and the truth that he's eternal, that people would come to know him. <laughs> that our love for Jesus would leak out and would affect people, that they would see we're different. Yesterday, uh, Lorinda and I went to a friend of ours. Uh, she had passed away, and we were good friends with uh, uh, Marlene's son, Tim, over the years, and we went to uh, uh, her funeral. Y you know, everybody should go to funerals. Y you, should, you should go to a funeral... And you should go to weddings. Because those are really good paradigms. Wedding is the commitment of two people coming together. We did a wedding last night as well. Went to a wedding. So we did both those. Right? And it's two people. The community standing with this lovely couple saying, we love you. We trust you. We're standing with you as you make this commitment to move forward together and carry out the things that God has for you. On the funeral side, what happens? It's really easy to see what people give their life to when you go to a funeral. Right? It, it's, even, even in the funeral, it's already burning up, the, uh, burning up the hay, wood, hay, and stubble, and shows you the gold and silver in people's lives. Because it's reflected in the eulogies as people talk about how that person impacted them in their lives. Oh, yeah, there's the characteristic things about, you know, they liked that and they didn't like that and they were silly there and you had to be careful because it was a wit and they would catch you in the wit. Right? That's all the fun stuff about how God's created us. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this component of, but when it was all said and done, Marlene affected me for Jesus. She helped me know the love of Jesus. Yeah. I, I stand on the truth of who Jesus is because she was Jesus to me. 
Okay, so part of the question we can ask ourselves is what do we build on? What's the foundation we build on? Paul came, he wanted them to know the forgiveness of God through Christ because they, they had an Old Testament paradigm. He wanted them to know that God wasn't far away, he was close. And he was close now because of what Jesus had done. He wanted to strengthen them in the truth of their present reality that whatever was going on in their lives, they could trust him. They wanted him to find hope for the future whatever they were looking at, that they could trust in Him, that He would walk with them. Fourthly, refocus on what you carry. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So, right got some Old Testament people living there, some Jews, right? So when he makes the analogy of the temple, so back when they were in the wilderness, right? God was there, pillar of fire, night, smoke during the day, right? They uh, end up uh, uh, being in the promised land, etc., etc. There's the temple, and God is in the Holy of Holies. He, he's present with them. The Spirit's present with them. God is present with them in the temple. And so he's making this analogy. You as a church at Corinth, Actually, you are the temple, and the Spirit of God lives in you. We can take that same analogy as well. I think we can bump it down to, and He lives in each of us, right, as the temple. We kind of carry the temple. We're the, we carry the Spirit, all right? So He's speaking to them, saying, don't forget, this is true. As the body of Christ in the church of Corinth, don't forget, you actually are the temple. You're, you're representing the truth. You're hosting the reality of the Holy Spirit, of God Himself. So watch how you carry yourself. Be aware of that. That's the truth of who you are. Carry that well. John chapter 13, 34, and 35 talks about the reality and says, Christ is speaking, He wishes that all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How we love each other will draw people to the Father. How we walk together will draw people to the dwelling, to, to the reality of who we host which is the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of, of Christ in our lives. So there was this tension. There was this um, struggle. Paulus is better. Paul's better. He wants them to understand that you need to be careful how you carry those things because when there becomes division, we start to focus on the division. When you focus on the division, it's hard for us to be nice to each other. It's hard for us to not take sides and divide. He's concerned about that, that, that division and that tension. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be aware of their spiritual gifting. Process those things well. Carry those things well. The truth of where you are, the truth of what's going on, doesn't in any way, doesn't in any way hijack the truth that God has a plan for you as an individual. Your struggle in your life, the challenge that you have, doesn't railroad and take you off the tracks by way of God, God's desire and God's plan for your life. might change it, might redirect it, but the ultimate plan of who you are and what He's called you to do, that's not hijacked. Similar for us as a church. Because of the truth of where we're at, that doesn't hijack, that doesn't wreck, that doesn't destroy the truth of what God's called us to as a body. We can rest in that truth, that God is for us. He loves us. 
He walks with us. The question is, how, how do we do that partly well? How do we carry that? How do we move through this transition well? Lastly, we focus on Christ. So then, also, verses 18, uh, I, I left those out, talks a little bit about um, uh, if you think you got it all together and you got the right answer, oh man, uh, if you're the wise guy, mm, be careful because uh, that's going to get you in trouble because God makes the wise things of the world look like foolishness under his wisdom. Okay? Then he comes to these verses in verse 21. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. You are in Christ, and Christ is of God. You don't need to know it all. You need to know Jesus. Boast in Christ. All things are yours. You don't have to all figure it out. There's a tension. There's a tension in unanswered questions in your life and mine times. Yeah, certainly. When I help people in my office uh, with uh, anxiety, uh, I use words like this. Anxiety is a fear about what might happen possibly in the future. Depression is a loss of hope for the present. Anxiety is a fear of what might happen in the future. You're, you're all wind up. So what's, what's really helpful is if you can take some time and you can look at what about the future am I concerned about that might possibly happen there if all those things come together in the way that I'm thinking they might. And you, you, you look at, you stare right in the face. So, and if that was to happen, if that was to happen, and if that was to happen, okay, who would I be? Where would the Father be? Is he enough? Is he still the keeper of my soul over there as he is today as I walk? Yes, he is. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's still the keeper of your soul. That, that won't change there. Even if all those things that you're concerned about that are hard or negative might happen, yeah, he, he's still, he, he's still going to walk with you then. So you can actually release that. You can still plan for it. Yeah, it's okay. Do what you can to get ready for that. But you don't need to be anxious about it because if it doesn't turn out in all the ways that you would like, he's still the one who's the keeper of your soul. You can trust him. You don't have to have it right. You don't have to have the right answer for then. You can let some of that go. Yeah, there's not a right way. <laughs> there are some wrong ways. And there's a number of right ways. I remember when I uh, first took some of my training a while back. Man, it's hard to believe. 30 years ago. Um, and I learned a system of uh, counseling. It was Larry Crabb's model, and it just was life-changing for me. It was, and, and for Lorinda, really kind of gave us some really solid tools in our lives. And um, we, we were, uh, yeah, we were uh, pretty clear what everybody needed. We, we had the right answer. And uh, yeah, we let people know. Yeah, you got an issue. You need to go through a process. That's an issue, right? Because it changed us. We, we had the right answer. You know, and after a while, time, growth, maturity, I came to understand that actually we have one understanding of a pretty good process that actually is developed uh, in a number of different ways, and this is one way. And, it, and it, it was helpful for us. And it really is helpful for many people, but there's other things that God uses in your life and mine to help us grow. And this is one way. 
There's a lady named Sue uh, Johnson wrote a book called Hold Me Tight. And 25, 30 years ago, um, in her research, uh, she's developed what's called EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy. But when I read the book, I went, oh, man. I knew this 30 years ago. It's just she's put it in a really sweet package. And you know what else she's done? Is she's taken a bunch of the, his, the, the um, scientific research that we've done on brain neurology stuff and attachment realities, right? She put it in another little package, right? It's really neat, right? So, so, so I, had a, I had a good idea back there. I had, I had good training. I had a good system. But it's not the answer. It's one of the, one of the answers. It's one of the ways. It's one of the ways of helping people to some answers in their lives. You don't have to have the right answer. You, need to, you and I need to be open to the reality that God uses many things in our lives. And it's, it certainly is important to be clear on some primary things in your life and mine. But what we want to be careful of is intellectual exclusivity because I have the right answer. Whoops. That, that's what Paul was concerned about. They really like to debate. And Apollos, it seems like, if you, if you snoop around in the scriptures there, you know, uh, it looks like our buddy Paul wasn't um, that good looking, uh, according to some of the scriptures. Uh, and um, he wasn't really eloquent, but it, it appears that Paulus, like, he had it together, man. <laughs> he dressed right, and uh, he could debate like crazy. And they really liked that, and it became, right, it became this who's better and who's more writer. And he comes in and says, folks, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about how did Jesus use people, right? right? Can, can you get that? It's not about the church down the street over there that you don't maybe like their worship and they're not as good as you and the church you go to. Actually, it, it caters to a bunch of people that God is using that particular type of music because that's really what touches them and good for them. Similarly for the way that God draws people together around a leader and all that stuff, okay? It's not about it being right. It's about walking the truth of who you are and knowing that the differences are okay. Oh, certainly there are wrong things. I'm not saying that. And I don't think Paul was saying that. And he addresses a whole bunch of wrong things through the rest of the book. It's about, folks, let's be careful that we understand the truth that God desires to pull us together even when there's difficulties. And let's don't get caught in this place of debating who's more writer so that there's a cause for division. All right, let's land the plane. How are we doing there? Oh, yeah, it's good. You guys can drink coffee later. Yeah, you want to be careful that you don't become enslaved to a particular process of thought. Lots of good in it. Hold on to it, right? But let the Lord use it and build off of it. You don't want to be entrapped to this is the right way, okay? So for us as a body, as, as we land the plane here today, we thought we were going in a direction with these particular people, and now we're not sure. Yeah, so we'd ask the Lord to help us to grieve well. Tomorrow we'll meet as a family. We'll meet together. And uh, we'll ask some questions, and we'll get some answers. And some of the answers won't be quite in all the way that we would like them, and some answers we won't agree with. 
And let's just ask the Lord to walk with us in such a way that we'll glorify Him as a family as we walk through this. Um, um, I went through a transition here, as many of you know. It's, uh, this fall will be seven years. And uh, that, that was a tough, tough transition for me. Um, a decision was made for all kinds of reasons. I can understand many of those reasons. Um, uh, uh, some days uh, is easier to carry that than others. Um, uh, I know that that decision, uh, the reality of what was going on while I was in ministry here, uh, how we handled that could have decisions, other decisions could have been made. There was more than one right answer. There's more than one right way to carry that. There's more than one right way to, um, to make decisions about that and, and, and the decisions that were made. Okay? So that, that's partly true where we are today. And I want to encourage us to carry that well. I think that's what Paul wants us to do. And I want to say that part of that reality is we need to, we need to be okay with uh, the confusion of that we need to be okay with how we, how we process differently. If you're a thinking processor, you might need a little more, more time. You need to kind of hear. If you're a, um, uh, a verbal processor, right, um, that means uh, that with your close good friends, uh, that you, can, you have a place to talk. You have a place to get it out. And that those people know you well enough that when you um, say some things as you're talking about the truth here that's coming out, that they'll be able to um, blow away the chaff and keep the truth. Because some of how you'll process and some of uh, the ways you'll process uh, would be inappropriate for them to be set up here. And, and that's okay. But the, the scripture says, um, uh, uh, be angry and sin not. It's okay to be upset. Okay? Some of you have come today and you carry, you, you're, you carry a, a heaviness. Because you're not quite sure, um, you, have, you, have, uh, you thought we were going this direction, and you, you love our staff, and you love Pastor Mark, and you're not quite sure what to do with that. Okay? It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay to, to feel that. It's okay to carry that. <laughs> and that might be a time for you. It, it won't be over uh, next week. Okay? My process um, took a while for me. Right? I thought, God, I'm doing this. Man, I'm going to retire here. We're heading this direction. It's good. Yeah, so I would say uh, from three to four years, it, it was not uncommon that I would grieve, and that would look like tears running down my face as we worshipped, uh, which was less about me entering into the worship. It was more about me grieving the truth of what had happened for me. Okay, so I want to give you permission to grieve. That's not wrong. And we'll walk together as a family to grieve. Okay, guard your heart. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I, as I kind of move towards our last couple points here. Okay? But we want to, we want to do we, we want to do this well. We want to, we want to, we want to um, ask that the Lord would continue to carry our friends, Mark and Tammy and their family, that he would put his hedge of protection around them, that he'd carry them well. We, we want to, um, um, some of you know them well. Not all of us may know them in the same uh, depth of reality. That's fine. Um, don't let your silence speak. Let your phone speak. Talk to them. Let them know you love them. Shoot that text off to them. 
Because we're not against them. We're for them. We're not quite sure all of the dynamic of this. That, that's okay. That's confusing. We'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Okay? So, so reach out to them. Let's do that well. Isaiah 61 says that Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted, set the captive free, and release the prisoner. He, he wants us to rest in him. Jesus wants to come, and he wants to continue to do his work in our hearts and lives and for us as a body. His spirit bears witness with our spirit, 1 John tells us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Paul's writing there about being fully sanctified. My paraphrase says, I pray that you would be fully sanctified and that his spirit would speak to your spirit so that your spirit, soul, and body would be fully sanctified. That you and I would walk in the truth of knowing who we are even in the difficult realities of life. We would not be shaken in our identity and we would not be reactionary in the truth of the difficulties, but we would walk in the truth of who we are and live out as best we can with the truth of what's going on in ways that honor and glorify Him. Yeah, this current reality is not your name, the struggle. It's not Sun West's name. It's the truth of where we're at in our journey. It hasn't destroyed the destiny that God has for us. He's not finished with you, and He's not finished with us. So let's do this well. I'm going to ask you to stand, and well, uh, if you would, please, uh, as Mark, or sorry, as Matt's uh, just going to play for a few minutes. I just want to ask us to pray together. I don't know, this is always a little awkward. And, you know, being an introvert, right, and all that stuff, I'm really glad when my honey's standing next to me because I'm a little more comfortable with her. Um, but, but let's do this. Uh, I'm going to ask you to pray for two things. And I, I'm asking us as a body to do it. We've got a meeting tomorrow night, right? It's going to be, it's going to be a good meeting. It's going to be a tough meeting. And as a family, we're going to come together. I want to ask you in groups of two to four, just to turn to each other and just for a minute, ask you to pray for our brother, Pastor Mark, and for his wife. Just pray a blessing and a covering over them that God would carry them well. Okay? I, I have too many friends. <laughs> At my stage of life that I went to Bible college with, that I worked in pastoral ministry, who've walked away from the Father. Uh, I'm not saying that's true of Mark. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I'm asking you and I to pray that he would carry them, carry them well. Right? We might be a part of that in some way. One. Two is that as we come tomorrow and we meet together, that there would be a freedom there that we would hold each other. And as a family, in the family meeting we're going to have tomorrow, we'd be able to hear each other well, um, that we'd be able to answer some questions, and those that aren't, we'd be able to um, voice them and yet carry well, and that the, the family would give each other permission to walk this journey together. Does that make sense? Okay? All right. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Just turn to each other. Okay, let's pray a bit. We, we want to encourage you if, uh, if in your life you um, don't know Jesus, we want to encourage you to, to, uh, to consider him. And if today you're at the point where you are ready to accept him as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to do that. We're going to have prayer uh, folks down at our banner here, perhaps on each side of the stage. We invite you to come and chat with them. They'd love to 
help you make that step of coming into the family of Christ. If you've got some other stuff going on in your life and it's, uh, um, you'd like some prayer about it, uh, a situation, health issue, uh, relationship stuff, job stuff, certainly come on down. Love to have you come. And that's, that's just symbolically as, as well for you at times, for you and I. You don't have to come. But sometimes it's just a step of obedience and it's symbolic of, Lord, here's just another way that I want to show you that I trust you. So we invite you to come down as well. They'd love to pray with you. And I believe there'll be some uh, prayer folks uh, out in the uh, entryway there as well for, for you to have them pray for you. Let's just pray together as we close off today. Thank you, Father, that you love us and you're for us. That we can rest in the truth that we are your children. We have nothing to prove. We have nothing to hide. Today we want to uh, ask that you would help us to carry the truth of what's real in our world individually and as a body of SunWest, a representative of your body and your church. Help us to carry it well. We pray a covering over our friend and our brother, Mark and Tammy and their family. Lord Jesus, I carry them. Spirit, we give you permission to protect and give life. Help them not to question their identity and their dignity. Lord, help them to rest in that. You have other things for them, not what they had thought at this point in time. You have hope for them. You have a future for them, plans to prosper them. Remind them of that as they sit in the season. We pray that also for us as a body. Thank you that you love us here. You're for us. Hmm. Yeah, you have plans for us. We, we rest in you. We build on the solid foundation of Jesus. As we meet tomorrow, we invite you to come. And help us to carry each other well. Help us to give each other permission. Um, help us to be kind, uh, but also uh, open. And to walk together as a family as to um, processing and uh, caring each other and, and sitting in the refining process of, Lord, what's next? And if it's not all figured out tomorrow, help us to be okay with that. Uh, and help us to continue to sit together as we look forward to what you have for us, Lord Jesus. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Bless you. Have a good week.